Tigers Avenue podcast. We're here together. I'm able to make the trip down this uh, this week to hang out with Zach and and record together. Uh, and we'll get to why I'm yeah. here here in a minute. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and kick it right off. We're, we're going to to recap the Super Bowl a little bit here and our thoughts and you know what we saw because obviously there's plenty of LSU guys. It was about like a like we said earlier. It was about like watching an LSU advertisement for yeah. <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Uh, Zach, go ahead. Give us your thoughts on, on on what you saw. You know, obviously, we were pulling for the Bengals, and it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Um, you got to be excited for the guys who wore the purple and gold on the Rams team as well. Um, but what were your thoughts? What do you think maybe could have been done better uh, on, in, for the Bengals and just how it all played out there at the end? So there's – a few key moments in the game that I go back and I think about and I'm like that if if it would have been different there then the Bengals could have won the game. Um you go back to the very first drive of the first quarter and they decide to go for it in the at their own 49-yard line. They don't get it. Rams go right down and score a touchdown. Right. That, I mean that's the difference in the game right there if you're just looking at points. I know hindsight's always 20-20. But you take off that touchdown, you punt it, pin them deep. Maybe they don't score. Maybe they don't score. Um, near the end of the game, when the Bengals were making their drive before their final drive, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd. dropped yeah. the third down pass, which hit him square in the chest, right in the hands. He started to turn up field before he actually made the catch. Now, I know he may have not made the line to make, but if he makes that catch, hits him in stride, he makes a move or at least just bulldozes his way through the tackle, they pick up that first down, they end up kicking a field goal, the game's over. right? Or at the very least, the Rams go down and tie it last second or last minute, whatever. So that was huge, that drop. And he he had that drop, and I think he had two other drops that were pretty critical in the game. The real reason that I think the Bengals lost the game was the offensive line. The yeah. offensive line is atrocious. No question. Joe Burrow was sacked seven times. That is tied for the most in the Super Bowl. Yep. He had, I think, 20-something sacks in, in the postseason, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong on that, but, I mean, just a ridiculous amount. Nine in one game. Nine in one game. Yeah, I mean, they've got to get that cleaned up. So – that was my overall problem, which that's not some breaking news. Everybody knows that. Everybody that watched the game, everybody that follows the Bengals closely, they know that the main problem is the offensive line, and that's really what cost them in all of their games this season. So that was huge. Now, the problem that I'm really upset about is two things. I'm really upset with the holding call. On Logan Wilson, which, by the way, Logan Wilson played a fantastic game. Yeah, he did. I mean, awesome he game. impressed me. Now, he was flying all over the place. He was. It seemed like he was always there making a tackle. On the, like, he, he led the team in tackles. Single-handedly, like, stopped the rush several times. Yeah, I mean, the dude was just 
awesome. You have that final drive for the Rams there at the end. I don't know what they were seeing. He did not hold. Like, he was in stride with him. Yeah. Played a really well defensive coverage. And they throw the flag. I, I really don't understand it, but I, I did completely disagree with it. I mean, there was a lot of the commentators, Chris Collinsworth, they were all disagreeing with it. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like it was just like some fan take. Like, it was a bad call. They right. missed that call. I hated how, like, during the game, they allowed a lot of things to happen. You had the Jalen Ramsey holds that they missed in the end zone yeah. on T. Higgins whenever Bengals were forced to kick a field goal, that, that, that first drive that they made into the red zone. Of course, the T. Higgins face, face mask man. on Jalen Ramsey. Like, they were letting him play. Yeah. And then at the most critical point in the ball game, you throw four flags. Now, I will say three of those flags were – warranted like they, they they were good calls yeah but the biggest one which if you if you don't if they don't make that call it's fourth and goal and the rams have to punch it in that play yeah. i mean it comes seven it, yard it comes down to that play yeah and not only that reagan but those flags took time off the clock like it that took away time for the Bengals in order to because it gave the rams extra extra points. plays yeah to take t- time off the clock, which really hurt the Bengals. So I have a problem with that. And then really the biggest problem I have is the play calling at the end on the yeah. final drive of the Bengals. Yeah. Joe Mixon had, I think, over 70 yards. He was averaging over five yards per carry. I mean, they were doing a really good job with the run game, although I don't think the Bengals' offensive line is really great at, with the run game. But I think the scheme – really helped the run game get going with Joe Mixon. And in the most critical moment, you bring in your backup on third and one, and you run it right at the best defensive player on the field. Like, you run it right at Aaron Donald. In the league. And, of course, he stuffs you. Yeah. And then they go to fourth down, and if Joe Burrow had, like, another second of time, I don't know if you've seen it on social media, but there's pictures of Jamar, like, wide open because – Jalen Ramsey had fallen down. Yeah. It wasn't pass interference or anything like that, but he had fallen down. And so uh, that's on the offensive line, but I don't like the play called there. On fourth and half a yard. Yeah, on right. fourth and half a yard. And on, if you're going to pass, I think it needed to be on third down. Yeah. Or just two straight runs, third down, fourth down, but not with Samadji Piran. Samadji Piran, great player, but you got to have your best player in there, Joe Mixon, yeah. who's been your workhorse. He's, he's RB1. He's very patient and waiting for his blocks, and he's very good at making just those slight cuts yep. to make a guy miss. And I, I got to believe on third and one, fourth and one, there's no way I, I think that he doesn't pick that up if he's in the game. So that, to me, was very frustrating, very confusing. And I hate it for the Bengals. You know, I hate it for Joe. I, I hate it for Jamar and, and Tyler Shelvin and our LSU guys. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of questions that Joe Burrow is going to be able to make it back because I'm pretty sure um, historically the quarterbacks that have gone to the Super Bowl their first time and lost, they have not made it back. Hmm. And so it's really, I think that's going to be really tough. Now I believe Joe can do it. You know, I think if they get an offensive line in there, but you got to believe next year is going to be even more tough for those guys knowing with teams, knowing the success that they had and, and yeah. where, and where they got to this this season and this postseason, 
But Reagan, they were ten and eight. Yeah. And a lot of their wins, they won by a field goal, walk off field goals. Yeah. And so, I mean, they're this close to having a losing season, and yet they were in the Super Bowl, had the chance there, and I mean, everything was going right for them. And unfortunately, there at the end, they don't pull it off. But like you said at the beginning, I'm super excited for especially Andrew Whitworth, a guy that's yeah. been in the league for so long. I mean, just is LSU through and through. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. And, I mean, if there was an LSU player that deserved a Super Bowl, it was him, more yeah. so even than Joe and Jamar and those guys in the Bengals. You hate to see what happened with o- OBJ and, and yeah. the ACL tear. I Started hate, off so high. Yeah, because yeah. he was just dominating. I mean, really, that if OBJ stays in the game, I don't, I don't know if it's close. Yeah. Because he was dominating, like they they could the 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 Bengals secondary could not contain him, and he was just picking up chunk yards left and right, and so you hate to see that for OBJ, but what what an awesome accomplishment for him, especially just for the career he's had, the ups and really a lot of downs in his career, going, yeah. having to go through uh, the mess that he was in in New York and the mess that was in Cleveland, and finally he finds a good spot, settles in, and unfortunately has that injury there in the Super Bowl, but still. What a, an amazing accomplishment for him to be able to overcome all that and be able to get a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I have to agree. The play call there at the end was my biggest, was my biggest uh, takeaway from that. Was you had to make better calls there. I mean, man, line line CJ Uzama up in the I formation, put Joe Mixon behind him. You got one yard for two plays. Yep. And you had timeouts. Yep. Man, send Uzama in the gap and make Joe just drive behind him. I mean, it's simple as that. And and, and if you can't get that in two yards with Joe Mixon, I, I got to believe you can. And well, you saw the difference in the play calling. Like, Sean McVay. Yeah. You remember the fourth and one for the Rams and what on their final drive and what they yeah, did? Yeah, it was a perfect They gave call. it to their best player. Best player. And they coop a cup. And it was a little – Little reverse, and he picks it up. I mean, why not do something yeah. like that with Jamar? Exactly. I mean, you, you put it in you, your best player's hands and make them, let them make plays. Um, I mean, I'm just proud. Aside from all that, I'm proud for Joe. I'm proud for Jamar um, and OBJ, Andrew Whitworth, who I think is going to retire now a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he will retire Super Bowl champion regardless of when he retires, but I think he's going to retire, especially now that he won it. Um, so just proud for all the LSU guys who went out there and just put on a great show for the guys in purple and gold, man. For sure. Um, look, I know the historically um, the guys who've lost their first Super Bowl haven't made it back. <laughs> but this is Joe Burrow we're talking about. I mean – the Bengals won two games with Joe Burrow last year. Four, you know, they won two more when he was out with Brandon Allen. And then all of a sudden you you add Jamar Chase and the next year they go to the Super Bowl. Like, they're under rookie contracts and this team's going to be in contact. Like, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and Joe Burrow are, are going to be around for the next few years because yeah. they're still under rookie contracts. Man, you go out this year and hit the free agency – I mean, there's massive offensive linemen in the free free agency. There's Taron Armstead from the New Orleans Saints in the free agency this year. Yeah. You go sign somebody like Taron Armstead, uh, Armstead in uh, free agency. I mean, man, <laughs> they could be right back next year. 
Yep. I mean, the 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 season that Jamar Chase had and Joe Burrow had and T. Higgins and just all those guys, there's a lot of talent at Cincinnati right now. A lot of young you talent. Could just, yeah, a lot of young talent that's that can thrive for so many years. And, man, if you put some stronger pieces on the offensive line and get some protection, it's going to be dangerous. I mean, heck, they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the offensive line was horrible. Against the Titans, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times, and they still won the game. Yep. So, uh, and shoot, their kicker Evan McPherson is is nails, bro. I mean, he is he is a stud. So, I I am excited for the Bengals' future. Obviously, uh, I'm proud for all those guys. Unfortunately, Bengals didn't win like I wanted them to. But I was proud the way they fought, dude. They only lost by three points, and had a chance there at the end. All right, midfield with a minute, a minute left, had a chance. So you just got to be proud for those guys. And um, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say I'm kind of a Bengals fan now. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm still it cheering for my Saints, but it won't be very long. I'll probably have a number nine Bengals jersey or a number one Bengals jersey. I've definitely so. already bought some uh, Joe Burrow Bengals merchandise. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to. On the way, so. Got to. But proud of you. Proud of all the guys in the purple and gold. They they showed out and um, proud of what Joe Burrow was able to accomplish and Jamar their first and second seasons in the NFL making making the LSU name known as if it wasn't known enough. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so let's move on from from the Super Bowl here and let's transition to basketball. We got. Kind of excited. Me and you are kind of excited a little yeah, bit about this sure. week's basketball. Wednesday night, LSU is going to be playing the Georgia Bulldogs in the PMAC. And your boy right here and your boy right there will be in the PMAC watching the General and the Tigers take on the Georgia Bulldogs. We're excited to go and experience uh, the PMAC for this year and, and what it's become uh, with our guys, you know, the Balcony Bengals. They've, you know, created that leadership in the student section. They made it rowdy. I'm excited to see, you know, what that atmosphere is like and how they've just kind of grown that uh, throughout this year. Um, trying to, you know, give Will Wade some support and this team some support because they deserve it. They've set student they records deserve it. for attendance Yeah, absolutely. Um, but let's, let's talk uh, these last two games here. LSU's won back-to-back games on the road at Texas A&M. Great yep. win. And against State, who I've said in, in, in past podcasts and e- episodes, they're a sneaky good team. They really are. And their point guard, Molinar, may be the best point guard in the league. He's good, man. He's very He's good. fantastic and amazing to watch. They are long. They're big. And that was a hard-fought win for the Tigers. And we kind of said there, you know, for a while, like, when Pinson gets back, like, we're going to get back on track. And then, you know, you kind of had the loss to Ole Miss and kind of lost to Vandy, and we kind of stepped back and we were like, there may be a deeper problem. Yeah. There, there may be a worse problem here. Well, <laughs> Pinson's back, and it feels like we're right back to where we were. Like, defense is 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 where it was. Offense is finally rolling again. Like, it, it doesn't feel like the offense is anemic. Like, against Texas A&M, you scored 70-plus points. You almost scored 70 against Mississippi State. Yep. And we've said, you know, all year long, if, if LSU scored 70, the chances of them winning the game is pretty likely, is highly likely. 76 against A&M, 69 against State. You know, essentially 70 points in both games. 
and you win the game. Mm-hmm. Your defense does enough. Your offense does enough. You win the game. And, and te- with Texas A&M, you went to Texas A&M, and in the first half held them to 16 points. Yeah, it was very impressive. 16 points. This lineup, when you when you start Benson, Murray, Darius Days, Moani, and Efton, they're undefeated. Yep. They are undefeated with that lineup. Yep. And the one game where you had Pinson, Murray was out and lost. Yep. So I saw the stat the other day. Any game that Xavier Pinson has played 16 plus minutes, the Tigers are 16 and one. That one loss is to Auburn at Auburn when Brandon Murray was out of the game. Yep. You bring Xavier Pinson back, and he's the X Factor, dude. X. We've said it the whole time. Literally. <laughs> I mean, literally the X Factor. Eric Gaines is a flashy point guard that comes in, and he's he's kind of sporadic and uncontrolled, but makes these incredible plays. And he comes off the bench, and he's a spark plug. And you had to throw him into a role that he wasn't used to. You had to throw him into a role he did not practice the entire offseason. And – he had to facilitate the offense, and we saw the product of it. You get Xavier Pinson back into his normal role where he's playing, you know, a, a, the bulk of the minutes of the game, 16, 20, 25 minutes a game, and you're winning ball games again. It, it looks like the Tigers we saw earlier in the year. Now, I'm not saying we're, you know, right back to where we were because obviously there's some things we got to work out. Um it felt like our, our free throw shooting the last two games was pretty atrocious. The games may have not even been as close, which the AM game, we, we pretty much dominated that whole game. But the state game may have not been as close. We would have hit some free throws in that game a little yeah. bit more. It just feels like we're almost back to where we were before. So what do you think, you know, with our last few games here, with Xavier Pinson back, what are you seeing? Well, I, I think, and this may be playing devil's advocate, but I think something that we need to take note of is there's definitely problems oh, with yeah. this team. Turnovers, shooting, finishing having at the rim. having a true big man that can dominate a game, finishing at the rim, as you mentioned, those are problems. Yeah. Having a true shooter. I think X does a really good job of covering up a lot of those problems. Yeah. Because of the facilitation and because of how he affects the ball game. X is not a score. He he's not the guy that's going to go out and score you a ton of points and just take over a night. Yeah. He's a guy that is going to make the plays in order to allow other guys to have those nights. Yeah. And I think that other guy is Tari Eason. We've talked about him so much, but Tari, honestly, the reason you've won these ball games, in my opinion, is yes, having X back, but also having Tari just dominate. Yes. When Tari came out of the game against State, you know, we had a big lead, and then early in the second half, he's out of the game, and we lose that lead. Yeah. Because Tari wasn't in the ball game. Yeah. And so. Honestly, Reagan, I, I think honestly, Tari may affect the game even more so than than X does. Because if yeah. you don't have Tari, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you win 
a lot of the games that we've played. Very you true. know, so I think I think yes, it's important that we have X back. Yes, he covers up a lot of bad mistakes that this that this Tiger team had, bad bad flaws that the, this Tiger team has, but. Tari Eason, honestly, is the difference maker on this team. 100%. And when he's going full throttle and you've got X to help facilitate that offense and, and, and help him thrive even more, this team's going to do well. We've seen the defense lacks a little bit here in these last few games. I, I don't think that is a problem now because now that you have X back and you're able to kind of slow down the offense and, and have more facilitation through him, you know, there's not going to be as much transition points for the other team, yep. the other teams that we're playing. And I think you saw that a lot because bad offense leads to bad defense. Yep. You know, it's 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 not like football. It's not like baseball. Like, o- offense and defense in basketball are interwoven together. They affect each other. Yeah. And so not having X – to help facilitate that offense and be that calming presence, you know, that, that costs LSU a lot. And I think that's why you saw the defense have the games that they had here previously. And then, you know, you get X back, you, everybody seems like they're getting close to 100% healthy, and you hold these teams to 60-something points, which is really good. Yep. And so that, that's kind of my thoughts. Um I think LSU down the stretch, they they have to win the games that they should win. You know, at home versus Georgia, they need to win that. When they go on the road against South Carolina, you should win that game. When they play Missouri at home, you should win that game. When they play Alabama at home, you should win that game. You those are must wins because you also have to go to Rupp and you have to go to Fayetteville. Yeah, and. You know, we'll get into this a little bit more now that we're talking about it. But seeding, that's going to affect seeding. And so I think even though there are games we should win, you know, LSU fans and LSU men's basketball shouldn't take it lightly. Nope. They, they they need to be full throttle um, and, and try to get those must wins because, because of those two other big road games that we have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you after this week, you, you, you play Georgia-South Carolina. Three of your four final games are quad one games. Yep. Big-time resume-type games. And if you can pull off two of those wins, that's huge, especially if you take care of business this week. If you take care of business against Georgia and South Carolina and win two of those quad one games against Kentucky, against uh, Arkansas, against Bama, like your seed as well is going to be really good. And right now we're projected six seed. So, um, if you're able to pull off two, at least two of those wins, you uh, your seed's going to go up, and yeah. and I I think it is a complete robbery that Tari Eason did not win SEC Player of the Week this week. Dude had 26 points and 12 rebounds against Texas A&M, and then against Mississippi State, he put up 23 points and six rebounds. He put up. 49 points this week and did not win. 49 points, 18, 18 rebounds in two games and did not win SEC yep. Player of the Week. He's but a difference maker, man. Anyways, he is a huge difference maker. He is an energy. He is like my, my, my thought on Tari Eason, dude averaged eight points a game at Cincinnati. 
what was going on at Cincinnati that Tari Eason was averaging eight points a game? Like, where did he come from? Because dude's a freak athlete. Because as you've seen of late, like, not only can the dude fly and will windmill dunk that mug, he can pull out of the perimeter and shoot a three too. Like, when he when given the opportunity, he hits the three a lot of times. Yeah. And I flat footed. Yes, flat footed. And I think you're gonna continue to see him rise on on NBA uh prospect boards. Um because I mean the defense is there too. Yeah. The defense is right there with it. Um just a super athletic freak, and I'm glad he's playing in the purple and gold this year. For sure. Um it makes me wonder all the time, like, what was happening at Cincinnati. Well, um, we definitely saw the potential, and I'm I'm glad he went and got him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just to talk seeding a little bit, I know I have a little bit. If you win two of two of those three quad win games, I think you're a. If you win two, I think you're a four seed. If you take care of all the other games, if you beat Georgia, if you beat South Carolina, if you beat Missouri, and you win two of the three, I think you're a four seed. If you win out, I think LSU's a three seed. I nice. really do. If you win out, which obviously that would that would put us at twenty four and seven, which is a great record in the SEC to be twenty four and seven. Um, I know our our conference record isn't the best because we went through those injuries during conference play, um, but your overall record's twenty four and seven. And if you win out, Zach, LSU, if they win out, they have eight, eight quad one win games. That's a heck of a resume. And if you win out, that also means you beat Kentucky twice, twice in one season. And one on the road, yep. And that also means you went to Bud Walton, where Arkansas just beat Auburn, and you beat them in their own stadium. I gotta believe if they went out, they're a three seed. And I think, yeah. And I think, I don't, I don't think the SEC tournament. If they won out, the SEC tournament would affect that very much. No, like even if they got put out first round. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way. We we obviously don't predict they're going to win out. We'd love to see it, but obviously the SEC tournament is also going to be play a huge factor yeah. into yeah. the seeding. You know, depending on how far they go. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're pumped that Xavier Pinson is back and healthy, and it feels like we're kind of getting back to where we were at the beginning of the season. And hey, we may be just getting right, right at the right time. It, it may be just turn, you know, turning that page from those injuries and get right back to where we need to be at the right time. Look, we're here for the Tigers. Boot up all the way, baby. I love this team. I'm excited cool. about this team. Uh. I like the potential that they have in the the tournament. Zach, just hypothetically speaking, let's uh, just being maybe realistic here. Say you lose, you lose to Kentucky at Kentucky, which I would say they will lose to Arkansas at Arkansas, and you win the rest of your games. Say you beat Bama, you beat Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, Bama, you win four of your last six games. And you are, are are sitting at twenty two, uh, twenty two and nine. It'd be ten and eight in the conference, right? And 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 you then would have 
six quad one games, which is still a great resume. And let's say we go to the SEC tournament and get put out first round. Okay, you you get a six seed. LSU is a dangerous six seed. Like that, I I feel like that's like <laughs> that's a to play LSU at a six seed is. I would hate to be the team to draw LSU at a six. Yeah, that's a tough six seed, and that's why I think LSU needs to take care of business because I I believe LSU is worthy of a four to five seed right now. Um, and if you win out, I think they're absolutely worthy of a three. But realistically thinking, if if it goes maybe how some are projected and you get a six seed, I still like LSU's chances at a six seed to make a run. So and that's just that's just the idea. That get the best seed that you can and once you're in the tournament, everybody is zero and zero. It don't matter in the tournament, it's survive and advance. So uh I, I mean I, I like where where we're at right now. If we can finish strong, we can really put ourselves in a great position to have a high seed. Shoot, if you went out and then go perform really well in the SEC tournament, like you make the semis or win the darn thing, you may be vying for a two seed. Yeah. You may be vying for a two seed. Probably but best case scenario, obviously. That's Yeah, that's – I'm not saying that's what I'm predicting anyway. That's complete best scenario. Um, everything falls right. Uh, the cards just fall that way um, for that to happen. But, yeah. The LSU Tigers, I think, are extremely talented and could pull something off like that. Well, let's move on from the hardwood now to the diamond. Zach, I'm Ooh. so excited. It's opening weekend at the box, baby. It's opening weekend three at the box. Three days away. We're three days away. The long wait for the inaugural season for Jay Johnson. A new era. A breath of, of fresh air somewhat. Some youth in the program. Some excitement. And, man, a loaded Loaded, talented team. Yep. Zach, give me your initial thoughts uh, on the baseball team. And you know what, heck, this is going to be the, the last podcast before the, se- the baseball season starts. Give me your prediction on starting nine and your pitchers. Weekend rotation. Weekend rotation. Yep. So first off, I just want to say it feels like this team is going to be really special. Yeah. I was talking with my boys last night on the Twitter spaces, and I asked them, you know, what what do y'all believe is the ceiling, the floor? And, you know, what do you expect? Like, the floor being, I fully believe LSU is going to at least make it there. Yeah. For me, it's the Super. I, I, I fully believe that LSU is at least going to make a Super Regional. I mean, shoot, they were there last, last year, year. <laughs> with, with that team. Um, and – now you have the roster they have this year, and you're even more loaded. Yeah. So I think the floor for this team is a super. And then obviously I think with the talent, if you're able to figure out the pitching and find the right roles for the, the all the arms that you have in your bullpen, um, I think, you know, College World Series, winning the College World Series is def- definitely a yeah. – A realistic – A realistic <laughs> – um, opportunity for the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's very doable. So I'm I'm really excited, just knowing that and, and thinking about that. 
of course, as you mentioned, Jay Johnson. I'm I'm really interested, Blake, uh, over at Are You Serious Sports. He asked, you know, what are you most looking forward to, you know, this upcoming weekend with LSU baseball. And for me, I'm I'm really interested to see how Jay Johnson just coaches a game. Yeah. Just to see the the adjustments that he makes, how he handles his pitching staff when when he pulls, when he puts guy in, you know, when it's he leaves a guy in. It's gonna be different. So I, I'm really excited. Of course, the offense, the offense has been the the biggest thing talked about during this offseason. So I'm I'm really excited to see this offense and to see what the lineup's going to look like. Because, Reagan, we're hearing that Gavin Dugas is going to be in the nine hole. Wow. Which is very, very interesting. I like Gavin Dugas in the nine hole. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> shoot. I mean, you, you, you got Gavin Dugas at the bottom of your lineup to turn, to turn the lineup around. Somebody like Dylan Cruz, yeah, or, or Trey Morgan. I mean, I think Trey Morgan will probably be lead Golly. off. But I mean, the lineup is is going to be very deep, it, it, very talented, and dudes that can just rake. I mean, dudes that can smash. Yep. So I, I'm very excited to see that. Just to go on my weekend rotation, this this is probably where I feel the least confident in knowing for sure what's going to happen. Yeah, We've heard a lot of things that have been mentioned. In the beginning, you know, we heard Devin Fontenot, the Friday guy, Javon Coleman, Ty Floyd for the Saturday guy, and Mikael Hilliard Sunday, potentially. Where does Garrett Edwards get in that mix? You know, the, the other freshman that, that shined last year. But now we're hearing, Reagan, that Blake Money potentially is going to start on Friday night. Big Money. Which is, I mean, any time that you hear a, a certain athlete has emerged, emerged yeah. and, and overtaken other guys, it's very encouraging. Yeah. And you saw flashes of, of Money last year before the injury, and he looked good. I mean, he really yeah. looked good. He's, he's lost a ton of weight. Um, so I'm very interested to see if he rolls out there Friday night as the starter. But I think I think Javon. I'm I'm pretty certain that Mikael Hilliard is going to be a starter. Either yeah. I'm pretty pretty certain in saying that's probably the most certain. Like if I was a betting man, that'd probably be the one pitcher. If I say he's going to be on Sunday, that, that's probably the guess that I'm most confident in. Yeah. Saturday, I. I really don't know. I mean, it, it, you could have – now that we're hearing potentially Blake Money's going to be there, you could have Devin on Saturday. You could have Javon Coleman on Saturday. You could have Ty Floyd. I think those are probably the three that are in the mix there, potentially. Yep. Um, maybe Eric Rosman, but I'm, I'm, I've been hearing that he's – He's the shut-the-door guy. That he's going to be more of the closer yeah. role. So, we'll see. Um, but if I'm just going to say right now who I think is going to be – what's going to be the weekend rotation for this upcoming – Weekend, I'll say, just because we're hearing it, Blake Money on Friday, Devin Fontenot on Saturday, and Mikael Hager on, on Sunday. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see that, you know. Um, now, for as the field, I think Trey Morgan, you got to leave Trey Morgan at first. There has been some talk about him moving to the outfield. Yep. Jay Johnson is going to mix up the lineup. That's fine. I, I think he is doing that because he yep. wants to get the most out of his offense. So, I think that's why you've we've heard potentially that Trey Morgan's going to be out in the outfield. But make no mistakes about it; he's the best first baseman in college baseball. He no should question. be at first base. No so question. I believe he's going to be at first base. 
I believe Cade Doty's going to be at second. Thompson at short. I believe Barry's going to be at third. Dugas in left. Dylan Cruz in center. And I'm I'm I know right field is probably the biggest question mark. Yeah, right field is 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 up for grabs. And if 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 it's my guess, I'm going to say Braden Jobert is going to start Friday night. We'll see. And then I believe behind the dish is going to be Tyler McManus. But I also would not be surprised if Malazzo comes out and he's the starter on Friday night because we have been hearing a lot about him just really progressing offensively and and with this hitting, which we know that was a struggle for him last year, but his defense his defense is just locked down. Yeah. I mean he he probably is he he probably is the best defensive catcher in all of college baseball. So does he get it? Does McManus I'm I'm gonna say McManus gets gets the nod there and potentially you see Malazzo on a on a Sunday night, probably the Sunday uh game. So but I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. When you look at that lineup, I'm very excited. And no just really looking forward to Friday night. Look, I'll start right. I'll pick it up right where you left off. Um, Malazzo, according to Jay Johnson, is the most improved player on the team. So what that sounds like to me is as bad as the most improved. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, yes, he can improve defensively. There's always room for improvement defensively. But he's a great defensive catcher already. And we all know the struggle was the offense for him at the plate. Um, so maybe you see him. I think you see Tyler McManus. Uh, you've seen a lot from him in the preseason, uh, in the exhibition games. In bombs. In the fall, in fall ball, you know. Uh, heard nothing but positive things about McManus. And I think he gets the nod there. I got to agree with you in right field. I think Joe Bear gets there. Uh, maybe Drost. Maybe Pearson, but I think Joe Bear is the better bat uh, of any of them, and that Joe Bear will get the start there. Cruz center. I think the rest are kind of are kind of understood. Cruz center. Dugas left. Third base Barry. Shortstop Thompson. K Doty at second, and Morgan at first. So we're basically um, nine for nine with each other on that. Yeah, I, I think I, I think so. Um, I I will say. I think we're going to see Morgan play a good bit of outfield before conference play. Yeah. Like, maybe we can go to Houston. We'll, we'll probably see him stay at first base when we go and play Texas, Baylor. I think it's Oklahoma State Texas as well. Weekend. Um, it's Maine. But, like, when we're playing Maine this weekend, I think you may see him in the outfield a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we're giving these lineups, but, yeah, I mean, these are probably not going to be the same. Yeah. Every, Jay every Johnson's going to feel it. Yeah, Jay Johnson's going to feel it out. He, I mean, midweek games, you're going to see him do some things to to figure out, you know, his options. His best lineup. Yeah. And um, I think Beloso gets a start at DH. Yeah, I agree. Um, he has been hitting a lot of home runs in the preseason, and everybody says that he is – uh, Jay Johnson says they've worked with him on a swing, changed some of the mechanics of his swing, his approach at the plate, and that we may see freshman Beloso again. So the offense, it feels like there's not going to be a gap in the lineup. If Gavin Dugas is your nine-hole hitter, then you're telling me every out is a hard out. Every batter is a hard batter to face. There's no way – that you you can pitch around, you know, players. Man, to think that, like, 
you got like first four in, in some kind of order. I'm just listing them. Cruz, Barry, Morgan, Dodie, in some kind of order at the top four. <laughs> it is really scary for pitchers. Yes. And I'm I'm pumped about the offense the most. Uh, I have been moving to pitchers here. I have been hearing, like you have, Blake Money maybe get the Friday night start. Um, maybe that's just because we're playing Maine. Maybe that's because he's the guy. Heard a lot about his workout this offseason. He has lost weight. He's gotten really good shape. He's worked a bunch with Jason Kelly and has improved his his mechanics. Maybe he's the Duke. Uh, I'm not sure, but you, it certainly feels that way. I mean, you've been hearing it. Yeah. So I, I'll say that this Friday against Maine, Blake Money gets to start. Um, feel like Mikael Hilliard is is is, is a starter. I, I think. I don't know if I'm Jay Johnson. I look at last year and I see the difference in between between relief pitcher Mikael Hilliard and starting pitcher Mikael Hilliard. Yeah. You definitely put Mikael Hilliard in a starting role, and I think the sole reason that Devon Devin Fontenot came back is the fact that he has an opportunity to start. Yeah. So I feel like we're in agreement with just about everything. Everything. <laughs> I think money gets to start on Friday, and Mikael and Devin Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And either way. way. Um. But man, I mean, it, if you send out Mikael on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that's that's. I mean, you're gonna win a lot of games. If Mikael Hilliard is pitching like he pitched, you know, towards the back end of the season, when, freshman when, year, when he finally was put in that starting role, and his freshman year, all like all year long, man, and then you add the offense on top of it. Yep, it it's gonna be a fun season. I, I think ceiling, like truly, I I think you can win a college world series. Yes, truly. Ceiling. In Jay Johnson's first year. In Jay Johnson's first year. Floor is, for me, regionals. For me, it's regionals. You're going to make the tournament. I mean, obviously, you're going to make the tournament. I think you let – me, let me rephrase that because I think just about everybody expects LSU to make the regionals. I think you host a regional and yeah. potentially are a national seed. So, with Jay Johnson being a first year, I, I, I don't. I, we are we are very high on this team. The offense, it feels like we have an abundance of arms. I mean, the fact that we didn't name Ty Floyd and Coleman in our top three, you know, weekend rotation, and yeah. let's not forget Will Helmers. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that come out of that bullpen. I think, but I, I do believe that's probably your biggest question mark is is the is the bullpen and. What are these guys' roles going to be? Yeah, you know where where these guys fit best. Um, the strength of this team is the offense, is the field, obviously, but and the weakness is the pitching staff. And so, Jay Johnson's got to figure out. And you know, I think that's interesting because Jay Johnson is more of an offensive coach, and so yeah. you're going to really rely on Jason Kelly to figure out this the pitching. pitching staff. Yeah. So that's why I I don't want to say. Like I do think that this team, this team talent wise, absolutely can win a college world series. Absolutely, 
But when we're talking floor, a lot of times you're talking like re, like a little bit more realistic. And I think not that a college World Series win isn't realistic, but like you're really coming down to earth, and you're coming off a of, you're taking the purple and gold lenses off, and you're saying. We don't want to say, you know, here at the beginning of the season, we're absolutely winning a World Series. We're absolutely in Omaha. Certainly not. What the SEC West? Is what could brutal this year? The absolute, yeah, and our schedule is brutal this brutal. year. It's not really in our favor this year. So let's take the purple and gold lenses off and say, okay, this team's really good, but so is a lot of other teams in the SEC and West. Honestly, Reagan, Flora, just to talk to the LSU fans right now. Just to prepare yourself, don't freak out when LSU loses maybe one or two series at the beginning of the SC play. Yeah. Because they're playing some really, really you're good going teams. Too, and you're going on bomb. the run. Yeah. You're going to Dooley. Yeah. Dooley Field? Dudley? You're talking about Mississippi State? Yeah. Duty Noble? <laughs> Duty Noble. Doodly do. Doodly doodly. Doodly do. <laughs> hip hip to doodly do. I drew a complete blank there. Duty Noble. Um, my friend Jacob will, will slap me for that. State Dip, fan. Diddly do. Um, it's kind of like the Taj Mahal of college baseball right now. I don't know if you've seen the new renovation. Oh, yeah, it's nice. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but. Maybe we should go. I probably should. Um, it's. This team is absolutely exciting. And it's going to be a fun year to watch this talent. And yes, Jay, it, Jay Johnson is some new. Offensive mind, some youth, but it is his first year in the SEC. And the schedule is brutal. So I'm going to say the floor is hosting a regional. Um, but, man, I have been, like, ever since we landed, like, Jacob Berry and these transfers and dude Jay Johnson put together the number one class in the country yep. and thinking, man, Jay Johnson took Arizona to, the, to Omaha twice and didn't he make it to the college world series once i'm pretty sure he did i I think he lost but yeah maybe y'all can fact check us on that there but i think he did all that at arizona and now he's come to lsu with the talent he has and then he brought the best player probably in college baseball with jacob berry and added that to cruz morgan doty it's pretty exciting um I don't know if you saw some of the preseason stuff released by the SEC. So, three of our players are first-team All-SEC preseason. First-team. Cruz, Barry, Morgan. LSU is projected to be fourth in the West. No other West team has three players on the first-team All-SEC preseason. So, make that make sense for me. (laughs) Make that make sense for me. The only team that has three players on the first team is Vanderbilt, who's projected to win first in the East. But we're projected to be fourth. Anyways, let's also not forget, not only are they first team All-SEC preseason, Cruz, Barry, and Morgan are all number one in their position, according to D1 Baseball. Oh, oh yeah, Kate Doty's also number four in the country, according to D1 Baseball, at second baseman. And Gavin Dugas is 14th. All field, uh, outfielder in the country, according to Division One Baseball. So you have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five people who are 
Four of them are in the top five of their position. Three of them are number one, and another one's top 15 in their position. Loaded. It's stacked. So I, I don't really like the preseason and stuff there a little bit. And there's experience. That's the thing. There's experience, It's too. not like these are freshmen. Or, I mean, Jacob Berry has a lot of experience. These guys are they're, they're talented yep. and they're experienced. Yeah. So high expectations, but let's not get our hopes too high. Because the SEC is really freaking good this year, and our schedule is brutal. Yep. But we're excited to see the Tigers take the field. I'm excited to see Jay Johnson and how he operates. Zach, I want to end on this note because this is awesome. Paul Maneri is throwing out the first pitch on Friday night. That's really cool. Maine. I did not know that. That's really cool. Hats off to the skipper who retired, the LSU legend Paul Maneri throwing out the first pitch on Friday night. I'm excited to see that, too. Um, wish all the, the, the luck in the world and, and blessings to Paul Maneri for what he did at LSU, what he means to LSU, and I hope he enjoys retirement as much as it seems like Skip Burton is enjoying his retirement. Come to LSU games, watching games at the box. Sure. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, that's all we got here for episode 18 in Tigers Avenue. We appreciate y'all's continued support for listening to the podcast, watching the podcast, however you may do. Go follow us on Twitter at Tigers Avenue Pod, and we'll catch you next time in the Tigers Avenue. Peace.